Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Today we bask in the light of mustachioed greatness. So yeah, y'all know the English octa, Malcolm McDowell, right? He's got those naturally grumpy looking brows, giant eyeballs, and maybe one of the most sturdy noses of his time. Sturdy is a friendly word. Even when he's playing a good guy, you're sort of waiting for him to become the bad guy for some reason. Anyway, he's in this movie called Time After Time from 1979. The movie title that inspired the same titled song by no other than Cindy Lauper. Would you care for more useless fucking bullshit information? No? Okay, fuck it. On with the show. So let's become one of the best mates with one of the most notorious serial killers of all time. Show him an invention that would allow him to kill women throughout the rest of time. And then run 10 blocks to the nearest payphone because now he's going to kill your super tall pretty girlfriend and it's 1970-whatever and cell phones won't be invented for another 20 plus fucking years. What the frick? Well, at least you get cardio and it's only 10 fucking cents, so who gives a shit? Anywho, play that shit theme song. (laughs) 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 It's the Mustachio Podcast, you know, we're ready for the show. We'll watch moves, we'll make some jokes, and then we'll all go home. Navigating the legendary hairy upper lips, it's the Mustachio Podcast, you <laughs> what is up? This is Daniel Zahuda, host of the Mustachioed Podcastio. And today I bring on one of our many regulars to this show. Y'all know him. He's a chef. He's an educator. He's got a fantastic head of hair. And he's got one hell of a beer fridge and air fryer. I'm guessing this, but I'm pretty sure it's true. <laughs> His name is Dr. Chef Robbie Robertson. Welcome back to the show, dude. Thank you, to have, thank you for having me on, Daniel. It's always a pleasure. Oh, man, dude. It's been a while. It's been a little bit. What was the last thing we covered? Was it Slapshot? Was it that was Slapshot. Yeah, yeah, that was the last one. As soon as you said it, I was like, yeah, that's the one. That was a good movie, dude. Um, yeah. This movie. Uh, <laughs> I, this uh, was a movie. This was a movie. This was certainly a movie. Um, I Have you ever seen this movie? <laughs> I have not. And I'm surprised that I haven't because this is really like my time period of movies that I that I like and I'm pretty uh, I'm you know pretty conversant on but no this was the first time for seeing this one <laughs> and it's really weird because it's it's definitely um it's weird because it's 1979 when this was released, but man, it, it still it feels super 70s. Um, it's still in that. It's even like the effects are very kind of like. <laughs> yeah. Some of the special effects are very Willy, Willy Wonka ish. <laughs> well, it, it, it's funny you say that. My very first note, my very first line, it says, "This is a very old-fashioned feeling movie." Yeah. Like, from the start. Yes, it it just feels incredibly old-fashioned. Um, very. Um, it's weird because it's, it's trying to be, you know, basically time after time is like this sort of sci-fi slash fantasy with like a touch of horror in there, but not really just like a little little piss drop of it. Um, and it's basically, um, the, uh, the writer, I I don't remember the names right now. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Herbert George Wells, H H H. G. Wells, right? H.G. Wells. Am I getting that right? I'm sorry. I should know him better. Yes, H.G. Wells, um, who 
who all of a sudden develops a, he's a famous writer he um in real life he all of a sudden develops this uh fucking time machine and one of his pals happens to be jack the ripper and so jack is, has, just happens to be jack the ripper <laughs> it's, like, it's so it's it's crazy and you know you would think with this story so you know jack the ripper goes uh, into time but it's really hilarious and honestly you got to hear the trailer to really let me show a little bit of the trailer we'll show it right here okay All right, I hope you enjoyed that cheesy 1970s uh, ma- trailer magic. They basically give you the entire fucking movie, by the way. It's like a cliff's note of the, uh, of the of this actual movie, which is not short. I think it was like about an hour 40, maybe, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it was it up there. It felt like it. It felt, yeah, it yeah. felt two hours. <laughs> yeah, I, I could have used a time machine. It's like... <laughs> Yeah, you would have got. I would have gotten a time machine and then went ahead of time and asked myself. So tell me what it was about. I don't have time for this shit. Just give me your show notes. Um, but yes, he follows Jack the Ripper and and hijinks ensue. You get that fish out of water story, and you know there's a little bit of a love story in there. But I think um, just you know before we dig a little more into it, I think what kind of makes me feel like this movie has potential but doesn't quite get there is that it's not. It's not sci-fi enough, and it's not it's not fantasy enough. It's so grounded, and um, it's like it didn't it didn't um, go the full way with any of the options, like with right. any of the genres. <laughs> and and the director is a guy named Nicholas Meyer, and he had the potential to do better because uh, I, I looked him up a little bit. He wrote uh, all the good Star Trek movies. He wrote Star Trek oh, Two, Star Trek Four, and Star Trek Six, and he directed Two and Six. So, like, this is a guy who knows how to do sci-fi. You know, he did The Wrath of Khan. He did um, The Undiscovered Country. He did uh, Voyage Home. Those Star Trek movies. He, you know, he knows how to do sci-fi, and yet this didn't quite get there. No, and you know, and and I don't know if it's maybe the direction a little bit more the direction than the because the writing isn't isn't horrible i i think it's kind of witty um i think it's it has like a little bit of i don't know it has this like little kind of sweetness to it and i i think that they were trying to make a movie that kind of had like a more of a a sweet tone even though it's it's kind of involving one of the most notorious even though honestly jack (laughs) the ripper didn't even kill that many people like that are that many you know uh sex workers yeah he killed like five not to say like that's like not a big deal but let's make a light-hearted you know sort of romance uh, <laughs> about a notorious serial killer <laughs> kills women like yeah. it's so fucked up it's really weird like it's it's a very confusing i don't know what to feel and i was yeah, the, very confused with the start of the movie i was like what the fuck is this a horror movie like yeah the tone is odd you know it's, yeah. it's hard to nail down and I will say John Leslie Stevenson, actually, uh, uh, the I mean, not John Leslie Stevenson, David Warner, the guy that plays John Leslie Stevenson, he did an action. I wish that his character as Jack the Ripper was in a different movie. Right, because <laughs> he could have been scary as hell, I think. Oh, yeah. Like the parts that actually, um, well, you know, there's actually a part where um, he, to me, he gets scarier because you don't really know it's him at first. Um, you know, the movie opens up and. You know, you see Jack the Ripper doing his thing. He has like that classic kind of like what you showed me, Rob, um, before yeah. we started recording. 
Um, what was that that clip from again? That, it's from a movie called Amazon Women on the Moon, and uh, it's a clip called uh, Bullshit or Not with Henry Silva. <laughs> it's like, is was Jack the Ripper actually the Loch Ness Monster? <laughs> Bullshit or not? <laughs> and uh, Henry Silva, by the way, maybe the best person to have play that straight character that's just saying crazy shit like that it was oh, so you're not, fucking you're not funny. gonna shit on henry silva no <laughs> <laughs> i love henry silva yeah i've still got a bone to pick <laughs> over sharky's machine oh <laughs> uh, i liked his his beastly scream in people's faces i thought yeah. it was captivating um Actually, I thought he. Sh- I really do feel like that movie roller coaster that the Grabin covered. Um, I was on that episode. I really feel like he should have played the serial killer, or well, not yeah, the serial he- killer, but the bomber guy. Yeah, Henry Silver is great playing a psycho. Oh yeah, he just it's all he has to do is like stand there. <laughs> yeah, he he just looks like a villain, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I will say I do like I do like how they capture you know they we were like in old foggy London and we're back in um is it like eighteen ninety three or something like that it's way the fuck in the back of the day yeah something like that and um you know we get that whole scene where he's out in the night and this kind of introduces us to the time period it, it lets us know that there is this Jack the Ripper guy going around um we get to see some of his um was it modus operandi or whatever like you know his his is what he does like to uh prepare for a kill and one of them one of the things is he has this little locket of a woman right assuming a woman that he was in love with at some point i don't know now is it a music box also because it is i thought that was i wasn't sure if that was diegetic either okay. i thought that was part of the movie at first but then I, I i noticed it happened um a couple of other times especially at the end of the movie and i was like okay so that little that little pocket thing is actually also a a little bit of a music box which is kind of fucking cool yeah if you had something like that from 1890 or whatever damn that bitch take that shit to a fucking pawn stars dudes or antique roadshow (laughs) yeah uh (laughs) and he he put he flips it open and and the sex worker sees it and she's like oh that's pretty what um where'd you get that from oh shit <laughs> he fucking kills her but it's not very graphic at all they actually do it you know because they're trying not to be they do an okay job but it's still like eh, i guess you yeah know, i guess she's dead it it, it yeah it's um it's str- they don't they don't t- show you anything but they also haven't like given you enough about the character i mean if you don't know who jack the root if you know who Jack the Ripper is, you know what's going on. Yes. But there's not a lot in the movie that's happening. Yeah, they're kind of assuming that maybe you know some of the lore, but yeah, I bet there was a lot of people that were like, what? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, it's really weird. And then and then he gets away with it. You see, like, blood coming down the... Uh, that it was a cool, like, uh, shot where you see the blood coming down into the alley, from the alleyway yeah. down to the sidewalk. That was kind of cool. I had that in my notes there um and um and by the way i was going to touch that david warner so he he's playing this character but you don't actually get to see him till later but i think he's the most scary when he eventually <laughs> travels because he, he yeah. gets really um into it it's kind of like um he's, he's like in he's a toy much, shop. yeah he's much more comfortable um uh, you know adjusting himself to fit in where he is uh, it's like he doesn't really, he's willing to do whatever it is that he has to do to take cover. And so he's really comfortable being a, a hunter or a predator anywhere. 
yes, uh, it was easy for him to, to be in that situation. And we find we and it was pre- the movie makes it pretty apparent because we meet H.G. Wells, um, played by Michael McDowell, and, and he's there with his little glasses and his, his mustache, yeah. who which uh, which is the mustache, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're recognizing today. Um, and it's not a bad mustache, you no, know. It, he didn't wear good. it often, but when he did wear a mustache, it was it was pretty good. And uh, yeah, he's uh, talking to all his all his homeboys. And, a lot um, of good mustaches in that room. A lot of good mustaches in there too. Yeah, and, uh, and we find out H.G. Wells. You know, he's talking about like how he doesn't believe in organized religion, and he's all about socialism, and it's the key to utopia, all that stuff, right? And free love. They and free love. About, yeah. Which was Which it, not said back then. <laughs> well, I, I actually, did, when that kept coming up, it's like I did a little research, and actually he really was a proponent of, uh, how to put it, he had kids with a lot of different women. Uh, uh. He carried on affairs with a lot of famous women, including Margaret Sanger, the woman who uh, got the birth control pill um, legalized in the United States. He had Holy an affair shit. with her. Yeah, he, he, was, he was really down with that. Damn. <laughs> H.G. Wells, you know, he knows how to get in that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to cut all that. I don't know why. I, didn't, I, didn't, I had a punchline and then it disappeared. Uh... Do you love unraveling a good old-fashioned whodunit? Oh, honey, me too. I'm Alicia armchair detective and host of Dead On, a true crime podcast. Join me every Friday. We'll dive into a case that scratches your itch for true crime, dark history, and mystery. Streaming now, everywhere you love to listen. (laughs) Anyway, so... And all his friends aren't really agreeing with him, but he's a genius, and so they stake around. They're all like rich dudes, I guess, and so they're all hanging out. But then we see uh, this guy. Is this guy what you mean down. by rich whites? Yeah, yeah. This is a bunch of rich whites, yeah, in a room, uh, and uh, and these are like English rich whites, which is like a whole other level uh, if you think about it. And uh, so we see Doctor John Stevenson, and he comes in, um, and this, by the way, is David Warner. And he comes in, he's late and shit, and he gets a little brandy or whatever, blah, blah, blah. He goes to show him, he goes to show all of them his time machine, and, you know, we hear these guys saying, like, poppycock, and, you know, (laughs) blah, 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 this is complete bullshit. I do like the fact that, like, he really decorated this time machine. Like, he's got a little, he, like, bedazzled it and shit. Yeah, it's (laughs) pretty fancy. It's got everything but a disco ball. (laughs) Yeah, it's very, like, it's kind of steampunk slash... 70s you know yeah. like it looks like it was designed in the 70s um and he's like telling them about all the different pieces and stuff um this gets a little weird but he, he just mentions that um the cruising speed is two years per minute and you can go into the past or future um the person will be in a conscious but vaporized state which is really made me think of willy wonka that's some like willy wonka uh willy wonka vision or whatever yeah um and we find out about this like vaporizing equalizer that's really important about it. And without it, the passenger travels through time without the machine. And without the machine, there's no turning back. So like you're literally just stuck. Yeah, you're just kind of vaporized in the time stream. Yeah, which is not good. <laughs> that, that's like uh, 
there's a lot of movies where it's like you go into some nether realm or whatever. You're like yeah. in some uh, negative world or whatever. It's and, like the event horizon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and Wells predicts that uh, within three generations, the utopia will come to the to pass, and that women and men will be equal, and they'll immediately think that you know, like they'll be all happy and shit. And of course, everyone's like, "Yeah, that sounds like crap." <laughs> <laughs> all his friends are like, wait a minute, Utopia? What the fuck? Um, you're going to be, he's like, I predicted three generations will be buying tampons. And <laughs> <laughs> um, so and go ahead. We'll be buying tampons and podcasting. And <laughs> yeah. We'll be podcasting in our basements to get away from the amount of freedom they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a little bit of a getaway. And, uh, yeah, so John thinks that... Um, John says something about thinking that humanity will always remain imperfect. I think this is, like, when they're kind of... They're playing... A, this is kind of a thing, you know? They've been playing chess for, like, years and years. But, you know, um, John always wins. Because yeah. he's, he's just a little more sharp, a little more clever, a little bit more of a bluffer. Yeah, they're good-natured adversaries, and it seems like he's willing to do uh, a little more to win. Yeah, it was very um, Magneto Professor X-ish. <laughs> <laughs> David Ayer, you hack. <laughs> and other things. <laughs> that was David Ayer that did X-Men, right? Uh, I thought I, it was Brian Singer. Brian Singer, you hack. <laughs> And other things. Yeah. Um, and other things. Yeah. And other things, for sure. So, all of a sudden, cops come over, and they're, 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 they've found some evidence or whatever of the, the Ripper, and they think that this is where he was last seen. They go in. They realize it's Dr. John Stevenson. So, that dude fucking disappears, but they find his tool bag. And I'm not talking about his ball sack. They <laughs> find his operation <laughs> tool bag. Yeah. And it has a bloody glove in there. Why he would keep that, I, I don't know. Well, you don't want to litter. I guess so. <laughs> he has to wait till he get home and recycle it. It's like, yeah. And, it, you know, I think, I think a lot, I think especially, honestly, this always blows my mind about serial killers. It's like, it's amazing how easy it was to just kill people, like, for a, quite a while. Like, until what, the, maybe sometime in the 80s, but even then there was a ton of them. Well, well, I don't know, Daniel. I've never really thought about this. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like like it was so much easier back then because there just wasn't forensics like at the level of what we have now. And so I feel like you could get lazy with it. You know, you could yeah. be kind of like, ah, I'll keep that bloody glove in the bag. It's all good. Right. No one's going to know. How could, you could never tell whose blood that is. Yeah, exactly. It's just a bloody glove. It could be mine. It could have been, you know... Test, you know, checking a cow for, you know. Right. And he is a doctor. <laughs> he is a doctor. Yeah, yeah. He could have been. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why I went with veterinarianism. Like he could be checking some person that was shot. Um, not a great liar. Uh, but yeah, um, I'm not saying that I, <laughs> I'm bummed out. I can't kill people easily now. It's just. It's. It is kind of a bummer. Uh, so we. <laughs> so we go. We go to. The fact, well, all this is so the, so the Ripper's gone, and the cops are yeah. searching for him. And then what? H.G. Wells sort of like realizes, oh shit, right? Well, he goes downstairs, and the time machine is gone, and then it reappears. 
That's right. So he he realizes that uh, the Ripper Jack. Uh, John Lewis Stevenson, whatever you want to call him, had gotten into the uh, the time machine and he had gone somewhere and he he was gone. But he didn't he didn't have this special key, and I don't know if I have that in my notes. But there's a fucking red key that's supposed to go in there, and if you don't have it with you, the time machine will just drop you off and then come back to the original spot, right? Um, or some shit like that. It doesn't stay with you. So well, that's that's what they say. Except in the movie, the time machine is in a display. Yeah, that was weird. I don't know if that had to do with the fact that... I don't know. That is really fucking weird. Because, like, yeah, the they time say, machine was there. <laughs> yeah, because they say something like the time machine was found like in some field or some shit. Because um, eventually H.G. Wells, he goes out... He goes, he goes in the future, and of course it's 1970-whatever, or 1978, or whatever the fuck. Uh, November 5th, 1979. It's 1979, November 5th, 1979. And it's very much... 1979 and he's in a museum of his own exhibit which is kind of i actually kind of thought that was a really fun thing to see yeah. like could you imagine <laughs> coming but, to your but, own exhibit daniel I, i've got a question or just a comment here okay you, you, you've you've seen some time travel movies right yes yeah and so he's going to november 5th 1979 to catch the killer why doesn't he just go to november 4th 1979 and wait for him um, because then this movie would be about 20 minutes long. <laughs> like, there are lots of things in this where he's like, you know, if you just went back 10 minutes before he did it, you could stop him. And yeah, they almost you made have the a time machine. <laughs> they almost made the time machine, like, too powerful. Yeah. Or the fact that they just didn't, they could have put exp- ex- uh, ex- exposition, um, I almost had a stroke. They could have put ex- exposition, I can't say that word, where, like, oh, for some reason, because it was used already to one year now he has to go like some bullshit you know like yeah. science bullshit they could have done something but you're right all he had to do was just go a day prior and just wait for him and then punch his lights out or whatever yeah jesus well we don't get that y'all we get a whole fucking movie of hg oh. wells in 1979 oh okay here's something that was kind of cool so when he gets to the exhibit you know the hg wells exhibit in the future he gets out there's a kid that points at him and says Hey, mommy, there's a man in the, in the time machine. Yeah. That kid with Cor- was Corey Feldman. You're right. You're right. I forgot I saw him. I, for, I mean, first of all, y'all, just to get y'all a little bit behind the scenes of this whole podcast thing, initially we were supposed to record this last week. And I, I for I, I was I watched the wrong movie. <laughs> There's no other way to say it. I watched the wrong movie that we were supposed to watch, so we decided to just postpone this a week and cover it now. So and I've not seen. Like, <laughs> Go ahead. We talked for like 20 minutes before we realized we had seen different movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was insane. It was a good catch up, but yes, it was bonkers. And so I've not seen this movie, and I didn't want to rent it again. So that's got to tell you something about this movie. <laughs> I was just willing to talk about it with you because, you know, I have pretty detailed notes and I will kind of remember most of it. But um, that was why I forgot the main character's name was H.G. Wells for a second there. Um, That was my fault. But, yeah, um, I completely forgot because it's so quick. And I remember seeing it and in my head I'm like, holy shit, that's Corey Feldman. And he's like super little. Yeah, he's like six or seven he looks like. Yeah, this is before, um, uh, was it Jason 
three or four? No, four. He's in Jason four. And four, four, and then uh, beginning yeah. of five, a little maybe. Bit, a little, yeah, the beginning of five. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's so good in that fourth one, though. That should have just been the last one, in my opinion. Yeah, um, the final chapter. Yeah, I mean that's why they called it that. But then they were like, but um, you know, money and stuff. Yeah. And uh, so he goes out there. We have a bunch of really fun Willy Wonka effects, like little colors and shit while he's doing it. It's the most sci-fi we get, and it's very cheesy. It looks like yeah. light bright mixed with some other, like, 70s toys. <laughs> just this, The cinematographer had just gotten a starburst lens. <laughs> that, that, yeah. that, that's, what, that's what was going on. <laughs> yeah. It's it's kind of trippy if you're you know on acid or something, but if you're just sober and you're in today's time, you're just like okay, cool, uh, <laughs> nice. And he goes and uh, yeah, we see little Corey Feldman. He goes to the exhibit. His glasses broken during the process, but I do like the little bit where he basically steals his own glasses that they had at the exhibit that were his, which yeah. is so weird. And there's still his prescription and everything. And he knew where they were. And he knew where they were. Yeah, I think he recognized, like, oh yeah, that's that's my little bureau. I used to always put my glasses. Right here. Yes. <laughs> so it's kind of a good bit. Um, and they do do the fish out of water thing pretty well. And I feel like Michael McDowell did a decent job of kind of not playing it up too much. There to was too comedic, but not taking it too serious. It's like a little bit in the middle. Right. Um, he does an okay job with it. I just don't like the direction, but. Um, I think what he was trying to work with, he did a decent job. You know, he's he's having his fun. He gets out of the museum. I believe those are Hari Krishnas that come up to him. I don't. They are okay. Yeah, Hari that was a that was a thing, right? That was a thing in the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he causes the wreck of two cars immediately. So that's cool. Because <laughs> there's a lady in plastic pants that gets his attention. Well, you know, plastic pants, man. Jeez, could you uh, imagine? That's got to create some kind of yeast infection or something. You can't be wearing plastic pants. Yeah, that's going to be kind of humid in there, I would mm. think. Yeah, you can only wear that in the cold weather. Um, yeah. And it turns out that they're in San Francisco, California. So at least it's kind of cool. You get a good breeze in there. Um, you know, I'm not sure if it gets through the plastic, but it's it's not too hot, depending on the time. You know, time. And this was, you know, before real significant uh, global uh, uh, climate change impact. <laughs> you know, I just I just had a realization here, Daniel. What's up? The the guy who wrote this movie also wrote Star Trek Four, which was where the Enterprise time traveled to the past to San Francisco. I bet he recycled a lot of the same oh wow. jokes and material. I might need to see that now. Jesus. And uh, another thing that I noticed when I was watching this movie is, um, so I'm sitting there and watching the movie, and, and there's a lot of, of uh, music, uh, s- soundtrack in the background, nothing, you know, just yeah. like orchestral music. And it's like, I've heard this music before. Is this, is this famous music? And uh, it took me a while, but the guy who did the music for this movie did the music for a Steve Martin movie called Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Oh, yes. I've never and seen he re- that. I heard of it though. It's funny. I like. I've seen it uh, many times. I like the movie, but he recycled the music. It is the exact. It is the exact same music, and so it's like, oh, that's why I've heard this before. It's like it's the it's the same. The, the, the movie's three years later. It's like he just recycled the music. Wow. He's like I I I have I'm way too high on coke now. I can't just make yeah. a new soundtrack. 
Just... Yeah, they're not going to pay attention. It's like... <laughs> Nobody saw time after time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, it's there's this whole sequence where basically H.G. Wells realizes that oh, the Ripper must have had to exchange his money in order to be able to use the money here because he realizes where he's at. So he goes bank to bank to bank to bank. And eventually he ends up ordering a burger at a McDonald's. And uh, yep. so McDonald's definitely was a sponsor. Um, uh, that's a scene. And <laughs> <laughs> Although it led to one of my favorite jokes in the movie. What? Later, when he's having uh, dinner with uh, his lady friend, he says, "Well, this is much better than that Scottish place I had at, ate at earlier." <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yes, he does meet up with uh, Mary Steinberg, Steinbergen's uh, character, um, yeah. who's a money exchange bank manager. I think her name is Amy. I don't Amy, know. They don't yeah. give too much depth to her, but she does get a like. She is a get a significant amount of scenes and stuff um but okay, not okay, a whole mo bunch else daniel got a little confession here uh oh are you going to you going to touch yourself mary, <laughs> mary steenburgen here uh, she does it for me there's something about like she's got some sort of like earth mama sexiness to her it's like <laughs> i you know uh, can't help it <laughs> you know what's weird is i i mean i think she's really pretty here i i actually i think i mean she's she's very tall very you know she has like super like lustrous hair yeah um she has like this accent she's working with and i'm not sure she made that up for the movie or if that's the way she used yeah, to sound that was, yeah i don't know that was i, I caught that too kind of like east coasty or something i don't know i could be off but it's it's not san francisco <laughs> so that's, yeah um, but yeah, Steen Burgeon, that's how you say it. And I don't think I've ever heard her name said out loud. Um, but I have seen her in a lot of stuff as she got older. And I thought she was like super gorgeous when she was like in some of the later movies yeah. she's been. I think she's in Step Brothers. She is. And she's uh, super good looking there too still. Like she's one of those just been pretty forever. She also plays the Time Traveler's girlfriend in Back to the Future Part 3. Holy shit. So she's been in two time travel movies that yep. weren't great. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, where she, where she's the one that you know uh, is the love interest of the time traveler and goes traveling with him. <laughs> Same role, basically. I I noticed that. I don't know if this was a San, a, a San Francisco joke, but at some point she offers she offers HG to go get a drink, and she says he's attractive and at least not gay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, every attractive guy that comes in here is gay. What's going on in this city? Is this the Valhalla? Yes, it is. So, Wells finds the Ripper eventually. And I actually really like this scene. I wish if the whole movie was kind of like this, it would have been more fun. But we get a little back and forth. And um, the Ripper shows... I'm just going to keep calling him the Ripper. He keeps yeah. showing... Um, HG, who by the way keeps calling him because he, he, he tells him you're like a regular Sherlock Holmes because he was shocked that he found him and he literally kind of acts and dresses like Sherlock Holmes. So yeah, he's he's got the deer stalker cap and everything. Yeah, because because the Ripper honestly is dressed like even with the way he what he's wearing from the 1800s works like it still looks good, but fucking yeah. HG looks like he's like he looks like he's a cosplayer or some kind of steampunk weirdo. I don't know. He does. He's got the spats on his shoes and everything. And it's, yeah, it's it's he, rough. <laughs> but I thought that was one of the things. I thought that was uh, one of the things the movie did do well was like they showed Jack the Ripper as you know he's a predator, so he 
he learns the rules of how to blend yeah. in faster. Yeah, he automatically looks cool, like, so fast. Yeah. Um, which, you know, is, I'm not saying, like, I think it's cool that he was a predator <laughs> yeah. trying to kill people, but he obviously was trying to blend in, so he made himself look fucking cool. Um, yeah. And, like, because at some point he does start dressing like he's in the 70s, getting the bell bottoms and all that. Um, yeah. it's, all, it's all very fun. It's so, yeah, the Ripper shows that he puts on the TV and he's like, look, see what happened? Like, I'm like an amateur here. Like, back then, I was like fucking, fucking you know, killing sex workers left and right with a knife. And these people are bombing countries and shit, you know? Yeah, I was a freak and here I'm an amateur. Yeah, that's the line. It says this is some good writing. I like the way they wrote the Ripper. A lot of his lines are pretty, pretty cool for that character. It works for that yeah, character. I, I won't say you sympathize with him, but like they make him a. You, you under he's consistent in where he's coming from. Yeah, like he's a psychopath, and he kind of, I mean, if anything, he's a little too self-aware for me. Like, yeah. He's a little too self-aware, but I feel like most psychopaths like, don't realize how psycho they are, but um, he's very well aware, it seems, and, right. and he knows he has this profound sickness, and he can't help it, and so here it's like, oh, shit, like, this is a whole other world. Like, this is my home. This is where I belong. Right. Like, so much for your little utopia. Like, you know, this is, if anything, it's just about to become, like, serial killer capital. Like, like there's so many serial killers that get, um, that, like, so many of the well-known ones are all throughout, like, that time, all through the 80s and shit, and some oh, yeah, weren't San Francisco. Like, yeah, you had the Zodiac Killer there in San Francisco, yeah. and... Um, yeah, there's so many. In, like, it's ridiculous. He's in the right place. Yes, he is. Yeah, and um, and then eventually, um, the Ripper gets hit by Pontiac. <laughs> oh well, they, <laughs> well they have a fight. Yeah, you know, yeah, they have a fight <laughs> because uh, HG is trying to get. It says, you know, you have to go back and face justice. And the dude's like, and Jack the Ripper's like, dude, come on, I'm not going back. And so they get they get in a fight, and then they have a pretty good foot chase. Yeah, um, throughout the throughout the area of San Francisco, going through like the hotel and the elevators, and um, and then he gets crazy. hit by a Pontiac. Then he gets <laughs> and a seventies Pontiac. So that thing was yeah. thick. That thing was carrying some weight. He, uh, I honestly thought like, well, in the movie, he's fucking dead, right? And it's like, yeah. well, I guess not. Um, it's got to be insane, but he ends up going to the hospital. Wells goes to look at, like, to go find him to stop him, and apparently, I guess he used his his wit to fuck with the paperwork. So the nurse thought that he was this John Doe that died. Um, yeah, I something like that. That wasn't clear. Somebody died, and you thought you were supposed to think it was him, but it's. They never really say, like, how did he, where did this John Doe come from? None of that's explained. No, it's very confusing. I'm almost like, did he just, like, kill somebody, throw them in the bed and run away? Right. Something like that. I don't know, but, I mean, I then I realized, like, he's kind of a gangly ragdoll, kind of, like, you know, Gumby-looking dude. So I'm like, yeah, maybe that's why he survived the, the, the car hit. I don't know. <laughs> He ragdolled his way into survival. Because all this... I mean, he doesn't even seem, like, sore in the movie. Like, this guy got hit, no. and he's, like, completely fine the next time we see him. But anyway, we get to... We finally get the date scene uh, that you were talking about, and Amy's kind of wondering what the hell's going on with this. Like, well, she's kind of... I don't want to say ditzy, but she's just a little... She's very kind of... 
whatever goes with the flow and she's not really noticing that hg wells doesn't know shit about anything she's talking about he didn't know about like this earthquake in 1906 um you know doesn't know anyone that she knows in london like he's just very kind of clueless or whatever and, and she's written also as like this uh, sort of 70s stereotype of like the empowered woman who's taking charge of her sexuality kind of thing that's- yeah and like having her own job and because it goes you know right. you know she she eventually does talk about that like the fact that like she she broke up with a guy because the guy was like i want you to be at home you know washing dishes being a housewife and um and she was like no i want to work my job i want to become a manager because honestly if she were to keep that job by like you know 1990 whatever she's a vp of some shit at that bank yeah. <laughs> guaranteed like <laughs> like for sure so good idea like good good on her um so then from there i think she they she's like asking if she's um because at some point they end up at her apartment right i think there's like some stuff in between they go through the woods (laughs) (laughs) she takes a strange man to the woods she drives him somewhere because he 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 watches her drive the car oh yeah with his engineering brain he's like yeah i'm gonna learn this um, which makes sense. The guy built a fucking time machine in 1893. Yeah. The least you think he could figure out is how to work a motor vehicle. <laughs> Granted, this is stick shift, which, you know, a lot of Americans nowadays uh, don't know yeah. how to use anymore, uh, which is very sad. Yeah. I miss it, a good Well, the, all they are essentially theft-proof now. Pretty much, yeah, I know. I was uh, My next car, I'm trying to get make sure I get a stick shift, um, but it's hard to find them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is um especially in like whatever car you want some a lot of cars they don't even offer them so if you're looking new you're like you're kind of screwed um yeah. but yeah you're right it is kind of theft protection i didn't even think about that <laughs> unless like some like guy unless you're stealing my car <laughs> yeah I mean, well you know that's gonna happen <laughs> yeah at some point yeah at the grind bin meetup you're gonna fucking break into my porsche and steal, <laughs> steal it <laughs> driving all the way to georgia uh so uh i like the scene in the movie theater by the way where like he like they're watching like a crazy i think war film and and hg's never seen anything this insane ever in his life so he's on the floor (laughs) bent over (laughs) and i can't imagine uh i used to work at a movie theater i i could i would never put my hands on that floor jesus christ oh no no. The kinds of things that it's not just candy that made that floor sticky. <laughs> it's not good. There's a reason the lights are off all the time. Yes, uh, definitely. So then we see a quick glance at a newspaper. Uh, and the Ripper didn't waste any time. He's killing folks already. He killed somebody. Um, I, uh, I think he was also a, as a sex worker, possibly. I think, yeah. Yeah, I think so. That's what he starts off with. He starts off back to his normal his normal uh, way of killing and then they go they go to her apartment and he's like immediately wondering where all her books are at which is like maybe the most pretentious way to tell someone that they're stupid uh where are your books (laughs) she's (laughs) like because back then that's all you had and she's like i don't need books i got records i got magazines and shit like television television is pretty (laughs) awesome um so anyway they go a little bit back and forth there's some jokes here and there with like i don't know her friend calls and who her friend apparently asked about london because about ask if it's full of arabs because she wants to marry into oil <laughs> yeah that's the woman who worked next to her at the bank oh that was her okay yeah yeah 
And then uh, I like the fact that uh, what do you think about the uh, the the romantic scene here, where they're sitting awkwardly across from each other on the couch? <laughs> well, I will say I really liked her stereo. You know that was oh yeah yeah because they're sitting there listening to music and that was what caught my attention. It's like man, that's a really nice stereo. Um, the lady of your so dreams is in this scene, and you're like, that her stereo is something yeah. Well, else. that tells you about how much chemistry there was in the scene. <laughs> <laughs> it is very. Um, it's not. It's it's all written. You know, they're trying their yeah. best, but yeah, you just it's. Really I will weird. say this: he was really big on consent. You know that. <laughs> yeah, he quite a gentleman. Yes, he. I yeah. mean, they start off like on opposite sides of the couch. Eventually, they get up closer, and I think. And he's very he's very concerned about her honor. Yes. <laughs> and he's like, and then she's like, "If you don't take me into your, if you don't take me into your arms this very minute, I'll scream." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really really good. Eventually, yeah, he uh, he gets the consent, and uh, you know they. Start doing their thing, I guess. Yeah. And then they wake up in the morning and they hear on the radio that uh, the second body of a sex worker... They did worker. the nasty and the pasty. Yes, they did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, she she had sex with like a really old cock. <laughs> um, so the second sex worker has been killed and thrown in the base. So Wells immediately realizes, like, okay, the Ripper's still alive. Because I think he was like, oh, the Ripper's dead. I'm just going to kind of right. hang out here and sleep with this woman before I got to go back. Right, he thought he'd been hit by a car. Yeah, he thought he got hit and died. So that's when it goes from there. And he he does let her know, like, look, if I told you the whole truth of what's going on, like, they'd put me in an insane asylum, and I don't think you'd believe me either. And she does tell him, like, no, I'd believe you, blah, blah, blah. And then once again, this woman that let this strange man go with her to the woods, she now lets him stay over at her place for a while. Right. She is, uh, she goes quick. Yeah. <laughs> she is She is on the highway to, to marriage. Um, he puts her toothbrush in his mouth, which grosses me the hell out. I almost got divorced the first, like, my first, I, I was going to say my first wife. Like, I've had three. Uh <laughs> Only had one, but <laughs> we almost got divorced a little sooner because she put her fucking. She accidentally used my toothbrush, and I lost my shit. I was kind of. I I've been working on it, but I used to be super germaphobic, and it it was just. Ugh, it grossed me the well, fuck this, out. Just you know, like that, that's a violation of personal space. He puts her toothbrush in his mouth. It's ugh, <sighs> gross in his old mouth, yeah. his old eighteen nineties mouth. Who knows what they were putting in there? Um, yeah, it's her. <laughs> Her uh, heroin and cocaine and <laughs> opium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh shit. So we're back. You know, we go back to the bank, and the Ripper comes through to exchange more money. And this was the scene I was saying where he actually seems kind of scary. Yeah. Like he's once he realizes because she comes, he comes through and and she's kind of like freaking out um amy so she calls wells and wells asks her like can you just somehow hold him there right and the ripper figures out figures her out pretty quick um i forget how do, why does he figure her out i don't even remember like what made him realize oh she asked him um how he liked to stay at the hyatt regency oh, and that's where it clicked yeah, because that's where H.G. Wells had caught him, was at the Hyatt Regency, and he figured out that 
she's the one who knew where he was. Yeah, she was the one that that uh, called him out. So he right away goes from being he was being very cordial and very British, and then <laughs> and then all of a sudden his face completely changes. And I really like that transition of from the the mask, I guess, to like the actual person that he is. Right. It was fucking cool. It's one of the cooler scenes in the movie because it's not easy to look scary in a brightly lit bank like right you know it's easy to be coming out of a shadow and while wearing a jean vest and a black turtle exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah he looks <laughs> yeah he looks amazing amazingly 70s and he's somehow still kind of intimidating and in pastels and stuff and he tells her like um he says something like, oh, he says for to tell Wells to leave the key at the museum or face the consequences. Yes. So then uh, Ripper finds her address very easily because it's 1970s. And like I said, real easy to kill people back then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like, hey, do you want to know where I live and how to find me and kill me? Um, here you go. It's right in this book right here that's everywhere that you can find. Um, <laughs> James Cameron, you hack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So... Man, it's ridiculous. I can't believe people just had their addresses in books. Yep. It makes no sense. Phone books, man. It's so <laughs> weird. Oh, so, Wells informs authorities, and I think they try to... I, I honestly think they try to hold in their laugh uh, when he says he's Sherlock yeah. Holmes. They had to... Because at first I was like, are they stifling their laugh? But they never really laugh or take it... Like, they honestly kind of take him seriously. I'm like, he said his name was Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> like, right. The, this guy's crazy. What the fuck is wrong with you? I guess, you know, cops in San Francisco, they've seen a lot of shit. And, yeah, uh, you're right. Yeah, San Francisco, 1970s, going into the 80s. must have been wild. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably the most normal thing they got all day. Yeah. And uh, Ripper leaves a, Wells a threatening note uh, when they get to... I think they get they got to Amy's apartment, and Wells tries to tell Amy the truth. They go out, you know, like, I don't know, near the bay, and he tries to tell Amy the truth, and she just kind of shakes her head and is like, what the hell did I just bone? Right. And which I mean, it is kind of crazy. Could you imagine if you accidentally had sex with like someone that was like maybe they got out <laughs> of the uh, um, facility? I'm going to take the fifth. <laughs> I'm going to plead the fifth on this. <laughs> I would I would feel a little bit wrong. Uh a little bit. I'd feel very wrong. Um and so he tells her like, "Look, why don't you come to the museum with me and you'll see like that there are literally photos of him, you know, like, look, like right. you'll literally see me." So we get this really dope scene with the Ripper where he um he busts out his watch and he goes into a chick's apartment. And, and did creepy. you happen to notice who Oh, did you notice who the chick was? Who is she? Okay, her name is Patty D'Arbonville. Holy shit. Uh, she has, so she's an actress. She's a model. Um, but she, is, she had uh, famous in the 60s and 70s especially. Uh, Cat Stevens wrote the song uh, uh, Wide World, Wild World, Wide World and uh, Lady D'Arbonville about her. Uh, she has a kid with Don Johnson. What? Uh, she's like a... Yeah, she's a relatively famous actress. Wow. Worked with Andy Warhol a lot. Wow, so she was, like, known in the industry, like, in the, in the cool scenes and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, she got that Don Johnson. That's fun. Yeah. Um, and got, like, 
two minutes of screen time here. Yeah, you know, and she, you know, <laughs> she, she definitely did all right. She kind of, she felt very real, like very seventies real. Yeah. So yeah, she. This kind of told me that now he's 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 a. Uh, He's like, oh, I don't just need to kill sex workers now. I can just kill anybody. Because she seems like just someone he met, like, around, and they're going to go on a date or something. Yeah, because they show him uh, at one point in a disco, and I think it's, maybe this is, uh, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but, like, you know, H.G. Wells was pro-free love, so now... You don't have to go after sex workers. You can just go back to women's apartments. Oh, you yeah. Because you know. I have that and in so my notes. I have that where, like, back in the day when his time, finding a woman that was willing to just go out with you was pretty freaking tough because everything was usually sort of arranged or women were normally right. with the family, like living with their family. They weren't living in their own apartment by themselves, you know. So this <clears> is <throat> sort of like, you know, H.G. Wells' prediction of free love. Well, this is what you get. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, this is the risk, you know, of like, this is what could happen. Yeah, with with free love and. Um, yeah. I think that's, I think that's the message. I'm not, I'm not. That's not my belief. I'm just saying. I think that's what the, the message is. Yeah. To. Yes. <laughs> I. I. You might be right. You might be right. But yeah, yeah it's not what I believe either. Um, yeah. And so he goes in there and he's acting cool as a cucumber. He busts out the little watch, or whatever it is, a little locket. And I guess, you know, he kind of just starts coming up to her and she's like really chill. Then all of a sudden he just attacks her, kills her. And then we get to Wells and he. Uh, Is that the scene with the bloody teardrop? Did you. That murder scene? That was. Yeah, there was one that was pretty cool. I think it was I think that it one. That I thought one. it was. Like he slits her throat, but you see his face. And he just gets one blood splatter on his cheek, and it runs down his cheek like a tear. Yep. It was like, that's, that's a pretty cool shot. Yeah, actually. this is kind of the last intimate killing that we see. Because the next, yeah. the, there's one more, I think, and uh, it's not as, we don't see anything really. Uh, but this was the right. last, like, kind of, I guess, um, you know, horror movie vibe, um, slasher vibe, but pretty, pretty PG. And um, yeah. yeah, one drop of blood. That was yeah, a little beep. <laughs> he uses such a sharp blade it doesn't really splash you know it's a nice clean cut and so then uh amy gets you know she they go into the museum and she's like yeah this picture kind of looks like you <laughs> he's like bitch that's me <laughs> yeah um, and he's like look i'm telling you i'm not insane i'll show you i'll prove it to you so <clears throat> he puts amy in the time machine with him right <laughs> this is so weird can you explain this whole situation? Because they go in time by what, like a forward a day or something like that. They go forward a week. A week, yeah, yeah. They go forward <laughs> a week and they get out and see the newspaper, uh, and the newspaper headline says that Amy has been murdered. That's right, and she freaks the fuck out. Which I guess anybody would. Yeah, sure. You know, it's <laughs> kind of fucked up. Nobody wants any of that. But it does say that it'll happen. I think at seven o'clock on Friday. So they know the time. I would have been like, "Can we, can we look at the lotto numbers too?" Just in case. <laughs> hey, let's let's go to Seattle. You know, so. <laughs> what's the Packer score? <laughs> I know, right? Let's go to Seattle. Jesus, <laughs> I they they make this movie so much harder than it needs to be. Like, yeah. you know, or the the plot of it is so much more complicated. But um, 
So he asked her for a moment, like they're trying to figure out what to do. And he asked her for a moment, let's go back to 1893. And she's like, I'm a 20th century woman, asshole. I don't want to go to the past. And he's like, uh, you, I mean, you just have a banking job. Like, <laughs> is it worth dying for? Um, but to be honest, you know, like I said, she's probably, it's probably a good thing. She probably should keep the job. So then Wells uses um, one of the murder articles to predict uh, where the Ripper will be. Because um, in the newspaper, it has, like, I guess, the next killing. Right. right. And so that's when we get that. Oh, my God, man. We get to see David Warner in a fucking club in the 1970s just, like, being about as groovy as he can be. <laughs> yeah. Dis Disco-rific. Yeah, disco tech. And he's like, what's up, girl? And um, he sees he sees this um, fine young woman in the in the club, uh, and the I think he kind of makes like I guess the most flirtatious face a creeper can make. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking gross. And we cut to Amy um, mentioning wanting. This is when we get the anti-gun stuff from Wells because um, Amy mentions wanting to take a weapon, and Wells is like, "I'm a pacifist," and um yeah. and a cuck i'm just kidding <laughs> he's like i'm a pacifist <laughs> and you know violence i think he says something like um the first man to raise uh his fists the f is the, the first man to raise a fist is the first man to run out of ideas there you go and so he's basically like no we gotta catch this guy like the the you know the right way we're we're like batman you know we don't need a gun so yeah. on the way to the clip the <laughs> the tire goes flat uh of course, Wells doesn't know what the fuck to do because uh, he's never had to replace a tire. And he has to go all the way over to a payphone and call 5-0. And Amy starts working on the flat tire. So there's another little thing, you know, like, you know, back you know back then, like, women could work on them. Like, they could sure. replace their own fucking tires or shit. They didn't need some guy yeah. to do it. I don't need a man. Yeah, I don't need a fucking man. Um I'm sure dildo technology was getting big. Um, no pun intended. <laughs> um, and so once again, he calls himself Sherlock Holmes at some point. Um, oh, because on the phone call, I think he says he's Sherlock Holmes. Right. <laughs> like, could you not and, think of and, a better name? Which is the giveaway because since now the cops, since he, he calls the cops and says, hey, there's going to be a murder, and he says he's Sherlock Holmes, and there is a murder the cops now suspect him yeah it's crazy how he kind of screwed himself over basically by being a little bit too like i think once you involve the cops in all this and you start they see you you seem a little bit off kilter like a little bit odd and then you call in for the murder you're definitely gonna look suspicious for sure and so then the cop sees that um the the main like cat the main detective guy i don't think he's a captain but he's like the main detective on the case and he's yeah. the one that finds out that the it was sherlock holmes that put in that tip for the for the murder because they actually get there too late um that night and that woman that that uh, the ripper met was already dead they were taking her out of the water so she was already dead right and wells tells amy to leave to a hotel that she used to work at so um, she won't be home because that's where right. you know uh, the Ripper's supposed to go. But then she like knocks herself out with pills. <laughs> yeah, he tells her go to a hotel, and she's like, "Yeah, I'll go to a hotel, but first I'm going to take these Valium and have some brandy." <laughs> <laughs> it's like holy shit! 
<laughs> um, I don't know if that's worth it, but uh, it was the seventies, I guess. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna knock the fuck out for eight hours, and then I'll go to that hotel. Yeah. Um, I was like, if I was, I, and and Wells is probably like, oh, I don't know if that's bad or good. Like he he doesn't know about those drugs yet, you know, and so. Right. You know, a little opium would knock you out for eight hours. <laughs> it would just be a solid, na- a little solid nap. And yeah, so she gets fucked up, and uh, they put, uh, and then so then like, basically Wells heads out to purchase a gun because <laughs> yeah. he's like, now I really I need to end this now. It's gone to this point where he needs to be stopped. Like he's already seen so many people die and he's like this is it like if anything it's justified at this point like this guy needs to fucking die so but he's running back and amy's knocked out and she's not waking up and the cops intercept him and he looks pretty fucking guilty (laughs) so yeah he does he's got a gun he's claimed to be someone else he knew about a murder before it happened although if the cops Uh, were like smart at all it's pretty obvious that this killer um the ripper doesn't use guns so if they were actually good at their job, they would have been like, well, this guy doesn't use guns. So this guy's just another guy who's dangerous, probably. Like, yeah. So it's kind of dumb. This already pissed me off, and you already pissed me off right away with the beginning of the movie. So now I'm extra pissed off about this fucking movie. Uh, but you were saying that all he had to do was just go the day before <laughs> the Ripper arrived. You, like, immediately, like, made the rest of the movie made me angry about this. <laughs> Sorry, man. It's okay, but it was funny. So they put Wells into custody, and this is like, I don't know, like 12 monkeys or so. Like, he's just, he seems crazy, and nobody believes him. And I do like how well he acts out, where, like, you can tell he's been saying the same story over and over and over yeah. again. It's torturous. Yeah, and, and he offers, you know, eventually gets to the point, it's like, if you'll just go check on her, I'll confess. Yeah, you know, made a deal with him, basically. Yeah, and they bring in the paper, um, because yeah, because he's try- he's trying to tell them like he even shows them like the paper, and they and the detective's like, oh, you could have made this for three dollars at a novelty shop, and I'm like, that's a pretty good price. <laughs> yeah. Damn, you can make a whole paper just for three dollars. You got an address for that? Because I got some jokes I want to play. You just said you said something like it's your friend's birthday, and you said something like Daniel <laughs> fucked your mom on Saturday. <laughs> It's a picture of you and his mom <laughs> hanging yeah. out. Big thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a good bit. So um, so Wells eventually, he's like, okay, I killed everyone, blah, blah, blah. And that's when he makes that deal. And so they, the cops go in, and one of the cops almost throws up. I mean, come on, dude. Um, and, but there's a severed arm in the living room. It actually looks pretty fucking, it looks pretty rowdy in this room. Like, it looks like some yeah. heavy shit went on. Yeah. Like not there's good. blood everywhere. Yeah, it's probably the one of the quote unquote gorious scenes. Like in, even though there's no actions, it's just like the way the room looks. It's really fucked up. Yeah. So then Wells starts walking around. He's all sad because basically the de- the detective tells him, "Hey, uh, uh, my bad. Uh, she's dead." Yeah. <laughs> Whoop! Whoop! Sorry. <laughs> um. Here's an Arby's coupon. Um, yeah. <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, Wells is sad. And then all of a sudden he hears Amy and he hears like, I think you can hear the bell, the little chime, the music box thing. Uh, Right. That's the first time I realized that 
it was the watch that it wasn't diegetic. Yeah, or I mean, that it was diegetic. Yeah, that it was actually his little little watch thingy that was making that sound, and it does add for yeah. a creepy kind of atmosphere because he's in a very creepy looking location in San Francisco. I'm not sure where that's at. I've never been to San Francisco. I need to visit, but I'm not even sure if that's still there. But um, it could be, and. Yeah, it turns out that she's alive. Amy's alive. Yeah. Um, he might get her one more time. You never. <laughs> Nothing's worse than only getting one. You always want to go one more time. I don't know what I'm doing. And so then the, <laughs> the Ripper, <laughs> the Ripper's like, dude, throw me that fucking key and I'll release Amy. And he says, you have my word as a gentleman, which is one of the things I, I, I would. If I was HG, I'd say, ah, as soon as you said as a gentleman, I know you're bullshitting me. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big fucking giveaway you're 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 trying too hard <clears throat> and of course he fucks him over you know he does uh, takes the key and runs off yeah. it's and once again he, it kind of harkens back to their chess games like this is why he always wins because um hg is so predictable and the ripper isn't because he's insane so he's like i thought you would have noticed right. by now that i'm not a fucking gentleman i literally kill women like as much as i can yeah. <laughs> Like if I didn't have to sleep, I wouldn't. And my nickname's not Jack the Gentleman. <laughs> Jack you know, the <laughs> so Herbert heads to uh, to to Amy's garage, and he attempts to drive her car. And of course, he goes forward first because it's funny comedy. Yeah, and he honestly does a decent job. Um, but it, th- it would have been kind of funny if like he reverse gets hit so hard, and then the credits. <laughs> the credits. <laughs> But uh, no, that's not what happens. He operates the vehicle as uh, well as he can. My only thing is, it's like they—he's kind of working the steering wheel, and it's going way out of control. I'm like, it's not like you hadn't ridden a horse or a buggy. Like right. you knew how to steer a little bit. Like you understand direction. <laughs> <laughs> he's like swerving like he's drunk. It makes no sense. I get it's for the movie for effect, I guess, but. It was just weird, and he have well maybe 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 he'd had some opium or something before. Ah, calm the nerves. Yes, <laughs> some class. He's like, if I'm going to be Sherlock Holmes, I better as well have opium as well. So I think Sherlock Holmes was famous for doing opium, right? I think he was. Okay. Yeah, just making sure. I was like, I don't know. I'm I don't know the lore that well, but I know that's one of the things. And he eventually does catch up to him, and there is a little part where the Ripper does ask Amy, like, he didn't show him how to work one of these motor vehicle things or whatever one of these contraptions and she's like no no i didn't but it does make sense because he is like an engineer like he would figure it out fairly quickly he's not right basically and he's a super genius yeah he's a super genius he made a time machine so it makes sense i I mean hell probably in a couple Mm -hmm. of months he could build his own and make one even better um so he gets i like but i do like the fact that like he basically goes up the museum steps in the car like he's so fucking just doesn't even know what he's doing but he gets out and he goes and he stops he stops the ripper just before they're about to head into the time machine and i think i think i like how i like how well says um the girl and the ripper goes which girl oh you mean this one <laughs> like, yeah. like are we doing bits right now like this is the climax of the film where it's not supposed to be funny but it was funny um cuz the ripper honestly uh, David Warder, like I could see him playing like a silly comic book bad guy as well. Yeah, he's kind of yeah. funny, like in a weird dry he's way. He's funny and he's charming. 
he could have been in a better movie. Yeah, um, he's he's looks he definitely by far is like he is what makes this movie decently fun to watch. You know, even though he's a yeah. fucking serial killer, but like he is um, the most. Like you said, he's very charming. He's very captivating. Like on screen when he's on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, so. Yeah. The Ripper makes him say all this fucked up shit. He's like, tell me you don't find her particularly attractive. <laughs> T- yeah. tell, tell her her bunions are gross. <laughs> yeah. uh, tell her she's ugly. Yeah. Tell her she's going to make a shitty movie with Will Ferrell in 40 years or whatever. <laughs> 40 years. Yeah. Gee, God, I don't think she's that old. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's weird. He's, just be- he's basically fucking with Wells' head. He's just being a dickhead. And Wells is calling himself an old fool and everything, and it's so weird. Like he's like he looks like honestly he looks like thirty five years old, um, which is he looks like a thirty five year old with a mustache. He doesn't really look that old, uh, but they were trying to make they were trying to make H G Wells look older. I guess I don't know. Right. Uh, I was gonna comment on that earlier, but I did have that in my notes. Like he doesn't look he looks like a dude like in a costume. <laughs> like I don't know. Um, Somehow he convinces the Ripper to leave Amy. He gets into the did he? Because I yeah, tell me. Because it was really it was really confusing to me the way it was shot. It looked like he had to let go of her hand to open the door. But oh, and like I don't know because I I thought he kind of pushed but it away, wasn't, but I don't know. It wasn't clear. I I couldn't I don't I don't I couldn't figure out why. She didn't get in with him. I thought that he was taking her as a hostage. Yeah. I, maybe a part of him was kind of like, I just need her to get this far. I would like to yeah. kill her, but almost like, I feel like he almost pities HG a little bit. I don't know. Because they were friends. I don't know. He's yeah. like, I'll throw you a bone. Here you go. Here's your here's yeah. your chick. So, yeah. He gets in there, and I guess he didn't listen to the tutorial in the beginning of the movie. The Ripper didn't, because Wells just goes, oh, you closed the door. Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to pull out this vaporizing equalizer that's conveniently outside of the of the device, yeah. <laughs> of the vehicle. I'm going to rip this out. And then the Ripper says, to infinity and beyond! <laughs> and he goes into the fucking negative zone, and Wells... Um, which was kind of fun. I, it was kind of cool to see him like, ah! he like freezes and you just see like universe yeah. behind him. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a tr- You're terminated, fucker. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and uh, Wells uh, mentions he has to go back where he belongs. And some shit like it'd be, you know, I forget, they kind of have a little bit of a back and forth. But basically, yeah. he's, go- he's about to leave. And she snaps, and she's like, "No, take me back to 1893. I'll go with you. I'll, you know, I'll be like the next Susan B. Anthony or some shit." Yeah. Unless there, but see, there's those things. Maybe there wasn't a Susan B. Anthony in this in that universe, but then there was because she went back in time as Susan B. Anthony. Well, that's what she said is that she changed her name to Susan B. Anthony. So I, I know. guess. Yeah. So they head back to the past, and we read. H.G. Wells married Amy Catherine Robbins, who died in 1927. As a writer, he anticipated socialism, global war, space travel, women's liberation, and the Nintendo Entertainment System. (laughs) (laughs) He died in 1946. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, So, (laughs) 
movie over yeah so that is the movie that is time after time and as you know i like to do a quick impression of the movies that i cover and this is a segment i like to call quick impressions <clears throat> Quick impressions. Oh, fuck. This is going to be horrible. Um, uh, uh, okay. Amy, I don't want to compromise you. Are you quite certain I'm not forcing you to? Forcing me? My God, Herbert. I'm practically raping you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that was so bad. Uh, that was excellent. That's a, that was... That was excellent. That's a quick impression of the movie. Um, as you know, I like to rate these movies by my favorite mustaches. You have the full Fu Manchu recommendation, the walrus mustache recommendation, the horseshoe mustache recommendation, and of course, you have the Hitler mustache for burn this movie in hell. And honestly, you're more than well, you're more than welcome to make up your own mustache if you have one in between that you would rather pick, Robbie. What would you give this movie? I will give this a bottom tier horseshoe. Okay. Oh wow! I did not expect that low. Whoa. Okay. Okay. T- please explain. There's. It is. There's nothing wrong with the movie. Uh, you know, it, it's competently made. It's there's the actors in it are relatively charming, but there's just not a lot there. Yeah. Uh, for me, and. It, I don't know, it just feels like there was a better movie trying to get out in a lot of ways. Um, but it wasn't bad. It's like on a Sunday afternoon, if this was on, yeah, I'd probably, you know, watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is more or less what I did. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. It kind of made you have to watch this one. Um, I'm glad it was you, though. If I was going to make anyone watch this, at least, you know, it's someone that will, won't hate me completely. Um, yeah. I... Oh, you know... Oh, go ahead. I bring you, I bring you, Smokey the Bandit and Superfly and Slapshot, and this is what you give. Yeah, me, it's it's you know. the kind of friend I'm be, I'm known for being. So <laughs> at least I'm yeah. keeping up with my brand. Um, but yeah, I I give this low tier. I gotta go low tier Walrus on this one. Okay. No. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was trying. No, this is a horseshoe. This is a solid horseshoe. I wanted to give it a walrus because there were some things I liked about it, but I'm realizing now that we've talked about it, I said walrus and it felt wrong because the more we talked about it, the more I realized how many... There's just too many misses than there are hits in this one. And the movie's too grounded for me. I wanted it to either have more fun or be more dark or have more fun and be dark. Like, be a dark comedy that has sci-fi elements in it or be a darker movie that has more drama in it like something yeah, make a choice it, yeah it was like uh, almost like watching a murder she wrote or something you're right it was like murder she wrote esque it felt like this is a movie for the family but there just happens to be a guy that kills sex workers yeah and we're gonna show up disembodied arm laying on the floor yeah and just blood all over a room like it's a it's a scene from seven or something like it was just like what it just didn't quite know what it wanted to be and if it just like decided and then just went full you know all the way to the wall with it just like full balls of the wall i think it could have been something special because it's not like they didn't have the talent it's a it's a pretty good cast right yeah you know 
And the, and the writer and director, you know, has a, a track record of being able to do these types of movies. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer, man. It's kind of a bummer, but uh, you know, it's a horseshoe mustache. We we have to get those every now, every now and then. But you do get some solid mustaches in this movie. Um, you know, it's the least I can say about it. And it is a decent hangover movie. It's very non-obtrusive. You can totally have this on in the morning if you can't stop throwing up or something and shitting yourself. Just have this going on every now and then. You'll see a fun little part. And uh, you know, and also, and another thing, most of the movies I watch for the pod, the different podcasts are not are things that you know. If someone walked in, I would be embarrassed <laughs> for them to see me watching it. And there's nothing wrong with this movie. No, you know, I mean, like, even like I mean, it literally has a serial killer in it, and even the killing sh- the scenes are like, yeah, you know, someone can walk in on you watching this. They're, they're gonna be like, oh, okay, I don't know what that was, but because it's very, it's like it could be on TV. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And the blood looks pretty fake, like you know, um, I think a lot of blood in the '70s was pretty. I don't know if there was something with the movie, you know, rating stuff or whatever. Yeah, they're, they're, that that real bright. Red. Yeah, the real bright red. It looks kind of like paint or something, but um. Yeah, man. Uh, anyway, uh, do you have anything to plug for the show? Do you have any guest spots that you want people to check out? Uh, I will be... Uh, I don't know when this will be coming out, but in two days I'm recording a Grind Bin, so I'll have another. I'll have a Grind Bin episode coming out uh, real soon also. Awesome. Okay, so that will probably be... I'm going to... this. That will probably be out um, in the following days when people are listening to this. So it should be out like the same week, hopefully. Um, I'm just guessing because I kind of know Mike's schedule, um, but I'll, I'll double check. But either way, keep a lookout. I'm more than likely this episode will come out just a little bit before that, but take, keep a lookout for Robbie on the grind bin. You always do so good on that show. I think you're a good balance to the chaos <laughs> that is the grind bin. <laughs> There's got to be some wor- some uh, voice of reason in that chaos. Yeah. You know? Jesus. <laughs> well, well, we can't all be you. Both, no, we you can't. Know, I... I I try to like I it's weird when I'm on other po- I was telling the guys earlier it's weird when I'm on other podcasts cuz I'm waiting to get interrupted and everyone's quiet. <laughs> I'm just right. like I'm, I don't have anything else to say guys y'all can keep y'all can keep going. <laughs> so yeah, it's very weird. Um as y'all know, y'all can find the podcast on Instagram at mustachio podcastio and on Twitter at mpodcastio. Uh, click on the link on the little link tree there. You'll find the Discord channel and and be sure to DM me if you have if you want a guest on the show, DM me or if you or have a movie in mind, send me a message and let me know, and we will go from there. I have a long list of movies come you know that I want to cover eventually, so we'll see how that goes. But Robbie, thank you so much for being on the show again, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Daniel. It's always a pleasure. Um, would you like to sing um, Time After Time with me? You don't want me to sing. Man. <laughs> <laughs> you're the singer. I have other skills, but that's not one of them. If you're lost, you can look. You will play. All right. We'll see y'all later. Bye. <laughs> Bye.